Mic on? Okay, I think my mic is on. Anyway, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, and I'm the senior pastor and president and founder of Diakonos Independent Ministries of Maryland. And I want to thank you for joining uh, joining me for the live stream here this afternoon. I want to apologize in advance. This um this live stream stream is going to be a little bit sloppy. I've uh, had a rather crazy week this week, trying to, pardon me, work on um, catching up with things with our Scott's Pantry project, which I'll be talking more about here over the next uh, couple weeks. But um, also this morning, I had the absolute honor and pleasure to attend a baptism of a 10-year-old boy named Logan. I was hoping to have some video footage of that, but um, that church has not posted that footage in time for the stream. I uh, want to give a big thank you to Lead Pastor Wade Haskins and uh, the campus pastor Joey Sarlow at Freedom Church in Forest Hill, Maryland. Um, you get There it is. Put their website up there. This is a wonderful church. Uh, Pastor Joey Sarlow, uh, very dynamic in his message this morning. Um, I believe they said that they baptized over 30. Don't quote me on this number, but I know it was in this range, about 36 people this morning. So it was it was quite an event. I did not get a chance to um, directly meet. Um, Pastor Wade or Pastor Joey directly. Uh, I wished I'd had that opportunity, but as you could imagine, they were having a rather busy morning baptizing all those wonderful souls. Um, but anyway, I had a wonderful time. Um, I was um, brought as a guest, and I actually got to participate in Young Logan's baptism, and uh, that was an absolute honor for me. So I didn't have my usual... Sunday morning um, time to get my slides prepared. So about halfway through, I'm going to be kind of throwing things together on the fly. So I apologize for the, the um, mess that it's going to be. So without further ado, let's get on with today's auto. Reflections off my glasses. Oh. Anyway, um, let's get on with what we need to do. In today's message, we're going to be talking about stewardship. And stewardship is a word you might have heard from time to time. But once again, it's not one of those words that's commonly used in everyday conversation. Whew. Excuse me. But stewardship is another primary component of a healthy Christian life. So we're going to explore what the Bible tells us about stewardship. But before we go any further, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for once again blessing us with the technology that I can share your word to those that are willing to receive it through the internet. Father, I thank you for the fellowship and worship that I was able to attend today and to be part of baptism of another soul into your kingdom. Father, bless, bless us as we study your word and continue to teach as you have commanded. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty. So, to open the message today, 
We're going to start by reading 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I apologize for the yawns. Now, at least I, I sound a lot better than I did the other week. I have to give you that. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 read, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Pardon me. Each of us possesses a spiritual gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11 paints a general picture of spiritual gifts and using them. But we're not going to go into the individualities of spiritual gifts in this message. Those who want to explore those deeper, you can find those in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians um, 12, or chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, and then verses 28 through 30. And then there's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, there are, I'm sure, other references in the Bible to spiritual gifts, but when I was writing this message, these were the ones that came to mind and were readily available in my notes and to my immediate knowledge. So, how we use these gifts, so how we use these gifts, when we should use them, and for what we should use them, in its most ba basic form, is stewardship. Stewardship does not just stop with spiritual gifts, however. Stewardship is also caring for and looking after what God puts before us in our care. This part of stewardship begins from the days of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Chapter two, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 reads, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. More directly, we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, which reads, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along oh, the ground. Excuse me again. As we read these scriptures, God commands Adam and Eve to not just care for the garden, but by extension, the earth as a whole. The scripture here is God commanding and giving us stewardship of the earth, caring for it, populating it, and looking after all the wildlife as well. So, as you can see, as we can see evidenced here, stewardship is to take responsible care of things or to use what we are given to take care of a responsibility. So, what 
does it take to be a good steward? Well, scripture also explains this, and that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. In the New Living Translation, the word manager is used, but a steward and a manager are one and the same. For example, the English Standard Version, as you'll see on your screen, I also have up there that in King James. But in the English Standard Version, it reads, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. There we have reference to directly to stewards. Also, in the King James Version, you have, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, it should be said that most scripture and writings in the Old English form, such as the King James translation, always took on a masculine tense. But the reference to man is reference to mankind. And you see in King James, instead of it said, they be found, it says that a man be found. Well, it's actually referring to mankind and not man in specific. Um, now, now we know what, well, at least part of what it takes to be a good steward. Not steward. Steward. Excuse me, steward. But why is this important? Once again, we turn the scriptures to define the answer to this question. And that can be found in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And we can clarify this a little bit further. This is where we're going to start getting a little whirly with the scriptures on the screen because this is where I ran out of time to get my slides together. But in Titus chapter 1 verse 7. Now this scripture is gauged toward specifically to elders and leaders, but ultimately it's good instruction for all. An elder is a manager of God's household. So he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. There we go back to talking about dishonest with money. <clears throat> so, switch back to here. And if you'll indulge me and um, are able to pay close attention, the rest of the scriptures, which is quite significant in this um, particular message, uh, we're going to be forever if I work on trying to put them up on the screen at this point. So I, I beg your attention, and as I read them aloud, not have the words on the screen. We come to the next important question about stewardship. What does a steward look after? A simple answer. Everything. Everything God has created, everything God has put before us for our use, our pleasure, and our success. I mean, everything. You know, the house. I mean, everything. Uh, just simply everything, but we'll go into more detail as we go here. We have the responsibility 
of looking after ourselves. We are stewards of ourselves. And we have the responsibility of looking after our health, uh, our personal finances, our jobs, and our educational needs. We steward over ourselves every day. Seeing we get out of bed on time, we get to work on time, we eat, we exercise, we study, so forth. Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 reads, For God brought you, or I'm sorry, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God. With your body. So that. Right there. You know we're stewards of ourselves. Because we're supposed to honor God. By taking care of our body. Of ourselves. And both physical and spiritual health. We are all stewards of our families. We look after the needs of our children. Our significant others. Our spouses. Our parents. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, which I'll repeat again. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, for those of you that are following along in your Bible. We must man- he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. Now, yes, this is in, this is in that um, masculine tense again, but... And this was also, in 1 Timothy, this was gauging towards the requirements of being a leader in the church, being an elder, or whatever the position may be. But once again, it's still ultimately instruction for all believers. Okay, so I'll read again. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. We move on further to more scripture. Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. Which reads, Honor your father and mother. These are Jesus' direct words here. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor As yourself. Uh, It's Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. So, you see, you know, scriptures say here, you know, we're to manage our children, we're to manage our family, we're to respect and look after our parents, we're meant to be stewards of our families. Continuing further, we are stewards of our households. Now, a big difference there between being a steward of your household and a steward of your family. They are two completely different things. Okay? Being a steward of your household is keeping your home clean. Mowing your grass, fixing up your home, you know, cleaning up after your pets, a numerous amount of things. I I hope, I think you you get the gist there, that the home... And a family are two separate entities, two separate things. A family lives in a home. A home is not the family. Um, okay, so in scripture, we're going to look at with this one, we're going to look at is once again in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 5. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? That's pretty powerful. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Moving on, we are stewards of our neighborhoods. Uh, My dear friend Rick Schack, he runs a... Neighborhood ministry he calls Neighbor Mine, which is bringing the neighborhood together by bringing Christ into the neighborhood. 
And this is just it. Rick and his wife, Diane, are being stewards of their neighborhood. And scripture reference is Mark chapter 12, verse 31. Mark chapter 12, verse 31. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've heard that before. We heard that up further in Matthew. It's referencing the same, the same thing, that same commandment. No other commandment is greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. We are meant to be stewards of our neighborhoods. Looking after others besides ourselves. We are to be stewards of the earth. We already read about that in the beginning, back in Genesis. We're meant to be stewards of the earth. We're meant to care for this planet that we've been given to live on. We'll reference Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Okay, so we're not to take care of the earth simply because God said do it, but it's all part in having faith in God that we take care of the earth. <clears throat> we are supposed to be stewards of our local church, fellowship, congregation, whatever you may call it. We're meant to be stewards of our local church. Looking out for and helping our fellow believers is stewardship. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And by all means, if you're watching this in the recorded version... By all means, pause the video and, and find your scriptures, because I know it takes some people. I fumble along in my Bible, so if I'm moving too fast, you know, drop me a comment, drop me a message, let me know. And I and when we're in these times where we have to, I have to count on you to do your own reading, just let me know, and I will gladly slow down the process a little bit more. But if you're watching a recording, don't be afraid, you know, don't be upset if you got to pause the video and find it in your Bible. I'm not the fastest at flipping pages either, so I, I totally get it. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in it. I mean, you know, as a side note, you know, I grew up in the church um, when I was younger, you know. Everyone, they, everyone touted, you know, you had to memorize all the books of the Bible. You had to memorize all these verses. Well, as a kid, I never could get it. And I always felt embarrassed because I couldn't flip and find things as quick as anybody else. But I've come to learn in my older older time now that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've memorized all the books of the Bible. It doesn't matter if you can pick it up and flip right to something in half a second. What matters is your understanding. What matters is your, that you're learning and that you're receiving God's word. The rest is just showing off. As far as I'm concerned. But moving on. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 10. Therefore. Whenever we have the opportunity. We should do good. To everyone. Especially. To those in the family. Of faith. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 10. We are stewards of the kingdom of Christ. Stewards of the kingdom of Christ. Probably the most poignant 
pointless message. And our scripture reference for this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in the way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 12. Sorry, I just noticed a pickup in my face here. Second. For an example, as the senior pastor and president of this ministry, I am the steward of all it entails. It is my primary responsibility to see that everything this ministry does is ethical, biblical, and being managed efficiently. It is my responsibility to make sure we are strengthening Christ's kingdom in everything we do. Scripture also talks specifically about stewardship over money. This is usually the primary topic you may have heard before in reference to stewardship. It comes up frequently during church fundraising campaigns and tough financial times. I'm not going to take stewardship in that direction, even though it would be of benefit. I prefer to put family and kingdom before money. When it comes to the script, comes to the scriptures teaching about stewardship, as I find them to be of higher order. But and when you go jumping into talking about money right out of the bat, it tends to be a major turnoff. Fortunately, you know a lot of people, you know they they um, see preachers as um, angling for dollars and. I don't like that image, and I don't want to be associated with such an image. I mean, every ministry needs money to work, but I don't like making my messages about that. Now, you can't neglect the topic of money completely, however, because it is a good, it, it is a major component to stewardship. So, Let's, when it comes to money, now we already know from what we talked about so far that we shouldn't be dishonest with money and handle our affairs well. But a good steward other hiccup in my notes, excuse me. But scripture has further instructions for being a good steward when it in what we should do with our money. And we're gonna look again first or look at first Timothy again. Um well not again, we haven't looked at it for a while, but excuse me. Anyway, we're going to go to first Timothy chapter six, verse eighteen. First Timothy chapter six, verse eighteen. I'm trying to get this up. Again, I'm trying not to go into an hour message again the other week. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 reads, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will store up their treasures as a good foundation for the future, 
so that they may experience true life. As 1 Timothy 6.18 says, we should be rich in good works. What 1 Timothy 6.18 doesn't say, however, is we should starve our families to do so. Responsible giving and good works should never compromise your own needs and health. If someone tries to teach that your personal needs, your car payment, your rent, your mortgage is less important than giving, then this is wrong and false teaching. With that clarification made, let's now read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then he will fill your barns with grain. Your vats will overflow with good wine. With everything you produce, as the scripture says, let's look deeper at this. If you need to pay for your children's needs, your medical needs, regular expenses uh, for housing, utilities, and the like, then that is not money produced. That is money already spent. And I say that because you already know going into the month that these things are going to need to be paid. So this is not money produced, this is money that you've already had the earmark to spend in order to maintain your needs. And with good purpose, of course. Responsible stewardship when it comes to giving comes from the best of what you have after your critical needs are met. This is what you produce. This is what you're storing in your barn, in your baskets, as it were, your crops that you're bringing in. If you don't have anything left to give after your needs are met, then you are unable to give. Then you are not producing, which then puts you in need of support from those who can produce and give. But that doesn't mean trying to give is wrong in this circumstance. Let's look at Jesus' parable of the poor widow. And you find that in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, which reads, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people came in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all of the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. Notice what he says there. They gave a tiny part of their surplus. Not a tiny part of their, their entire paycheck, but a tiny part of their surplus. But she, or as she is, has given everything she has to live on. Now, Jesus is referencing this as a sign of deep faith, that she gave the only two coins that she had. And she should be blessed for that, because that's, that's, that's a major sacrifice. That's a major testament to faith. 
but not necessarily what God wants us to do. The core of this parable is not the fact that she gave a small amount of money. As Jesus says, everything she had to live on. But that the widow was so focused on being a good steward that she gave out of that dedication. This made that small amount worth millions in the kingdom of God. With this story aside, being a good steward means not living beyond your means. Don't spend beyond what you can produce, if you can help it. Things happen. You know, we're not going to deny that. Things happen. Many live literally paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes on even less than that. That's right. You are now going to hear a preacher say, if you don't have it to give, then don't give it. That's right. I said that. Mark my words. Being a good steward is knowing when you can help with your money. And when you can't. This is not my own viewpoint. Scripture backs this up as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. If someone's guilting you into throwing money in the offering plate, or something along that lines. If they're pressuring you and they're trying to guilt you into it, that's wrong. That's wrong. We're supposed to cheerfully and responsibly give. Not feel that because everyone else is doing it, we have to do it. We are forced to do it. That will be a pariah if we don't. That's wrong. A lot of churches now that I've noticed don't even pass around a collection plate anymore. Everything's done online. You can give or not give and, you know, in a in a private in a privacy. You know, well, I always liked, you know, the you know, blessing of the offering and so forth, but I grew up old school like that. <clears throat> but here's a catch to everything I just said. Just because you don't have money to give does not let you off the hook of being a good steward. Instead of money, you can be a good steward to the kingdom by giving your time instead of your money. Volunteer. Help someone else through action. This is agape love. A fellow that I went to school with by the name of um, Danny McGee, he's got a charity called the Agape Project. And he does a lot of things just that, out of action to help others. Uh, and I mean, he, he's done some really dynamic stuff. Uh, recently, um, he's involved in helping a homeless man um who he literally lives in his van is um disabled him and his cat and there he's part of a project working to set this gentleman up with a van uh, instead of the car that they live in set him up with a van where he actually has a decent place to sleep and contend for his pet and has everything he needs and you know there there you go that's helping with his time well he's also helping with money, but more so the action of actually helping to procure this van and get it um, functional for what this gentleman needs. That's agape love. It is agape project. Um, for example, and I give credit where credit's due, and Danny's got a good thing going there. 
moving on. Part of stewardship is not just giving of resources, but the unconditional giving of love. Working to help others and working to build the kingdom of Christ. Let's re now read uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. There is always a way to be a good steward in Christ's kingdom. Simply taking the time to share God's word. Or sharing Jesus with someone is good kingdom stewardship. Some may ask, how come even though I'm supposed to be caring for and working to grow the kingdom, why is it not our kingdom instead of Christ's kingdom? Well, once again, we turn to the scripture, and we're going to look at we're going to look at two different scriptures. We're going first. We're going to look at Psalms, chapter twenty-four, verse one. Psalms, chapter twenty-four, verse one, which reads, "The earth." is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Now we're going to, in continuation of that, we're now going to look at James. James chapter 1, verse 18. James chapter 1, verse 18. Excuse me. James chapter 1 verse 18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. We're God's prized possessions. We are the how do I say this I'm kind of paraphrasing myself here um we are that beloved trophy that sits on the shelf that uh, gold medallion that's been passed down the generations we are the where is prized possession we are the if you if you will we are the classic car that's parked in the garage that gets polished with a diaper <laughs> for you car guys out there we are his favorite thing and we are the king we are the kingdom God's believers, Christ's believers, are the kingdom. We are the kingdom. Kingdom is not a place. A kingdom is not a physical place surrounded by a wall and a moat. We are the kingdom. I believe there's a music group by that name, We Are the Kingdom. But we are the kingdom, the people, us, his prized possession. We are the kingdom. In conclusion, Jesus does not sit upon an earthly throne right now. As such, as Christians, we are charged to care for, grow, and maintain his earthly kingdom in preparation for his return. We are stewards over his kingdom and everything in it. Just because the king is not in the castle does not mean 
he does not still rule over the kingdom it's in. We are the stewards of Christ's kingdom. By caring for all the things we are responsible for and following the Holy Word, we can grow closer not only as a kingdom of Christ, but as a kingdom of all. If we just focus on being good stewards and caring for each other. We're meant to look after each other and everything. We're meant to look past our differences. We're meant to look past the politics. We're meant to look past um, neighborhood drama. Look past gossip and look past all of that with the greater function of caring for each other. Caring for the kingdom, caring for our neighborhoods, caring for our families, our households. And most of all, ourselves. This is being a good steward. And God expects us to take good care of everything. That is being a steward of Christ's kingdom. Let's close with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for giving us these words today on how to enact our stewardship within your kingdom. Father, we ask that you empower us to be the light in the darkness to those who we can help, whether with our pocketbook, with our time, or just with our presence, Lord. We ask that you empower us to do your will in helping others. Father, we thank you for your son, and we thank you for bringing us together yet again through this electronic medium known as the internet to share God's word. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. again yeah. um, have you realized your need for Jesus Christ today and your need to be part of Christ's kingdom if you feel the call to ask Jesus into your life then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me Pray this invitation with me. <clears throat> Provide the words here for you on the screen, as I said. You are more than welcome to say your own prayer, and I encourage that strongly. Um, if you do so, make sure that you thank Jesus Christ for opening your heart. Asking him into your life. Share your struggles. Share your pain. Share your fears. Lay them at Jesus' feet. In your prayer. If you need help or just need someone to pray with you, by all means, reach out to us. Through the information I'll show you at the end of our message today. And we'll be glad to pray with you. For those who want to follow along. Say this prayer with me. Glorious Heavenly Father, thank you for opening my heart. I pray you will come into my life and be the guiding light I need to walk my journeys according to your will and the guidance of your word. I ask for your forgiveness of my sins and for your power to overcome them and temptation. Amen.
If you've said this prayer with an open and solemn heart, then I say welcome, my brothers and sisters, to the family of God and into Christ's kingdom. I'd like to invite you to make a relationship with a local Christian church in your community. Um, if you happen to be in the Bel Air or Forest Hill area, I'd highly recommend um, Freedom Church to you. That was an awesome experience for me today. Um, they should be all about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to save us from our sins and rising again into the glory of heaven to sit at the right side of God. They should teach God's word. According to the Bible, they there there there's many different Christian churches around the world, and we don't favor any particular denomination. We're a non-denominational ministry. And you figure you know those different flavors. They're dependent on the person. Um, up to you to choose where you feel encouraged, um, accepted, and comfortable. Encourage you to pray for guidance as you search um, for that church that makes you feel accepted and supported and comfortable. But in conclusion, may God bless you. May God bless your families, those that are special to you. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, and I thank you for joining us today for this message. <laughs>